Welcome back to Beards and Brews. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and make sure you ring that bell so you know when we have another one brewing. This week's movie is going to be The Adventure of Baron Munchausen. Gentlemen, what'd you think? Well, this is the first time that I'd seen this movie and honestly had only rarely heard of it before this. This is a big adventure and not at all what I was expecting. Don't know what I was expecting. Wasn't this. Uh... This is a box office flop, but growing up, this movie was a staple in my wheelhouse. I gotta tell you, I was extremely excited to see this movie, because if you guys haven't already, follow us on Instagram. I make little trailers for our show, and like just scrubbing through like clips for this movie, I'm like, man, this looks really cool. It's like, I don't want to say goofy, but I like the art style a lot. Uh, no, I, I would say it's goofy. Oh, uh, goofy would be like the best compliment I can give it. <laughs> this movie suffers, unfortunately. Man, as soon as I saw this was a Terry Gilliam movie, I was like, oh no. Th this means it's going to be two things. Really good, or just like, not good. And unfortunately, like, I gotta fit into the latter, man. This movie is so awfully paced. <laughs> it's just, it just goes on for a really long time, and I feel real bad because I really wanted to like it. But there's so much stuff happening, at the same time, nothing's happening. And then, like, the rest of his stuff is just, like, it's so loose. Time Bandits or Brazil or even, like, 12 Monkeys. Perfect. Oh, like, I love 12 structured Monkeys. Movies. Uh, there's a ton of imagination. And there's some great stuff to look at. But I'm, like, watching this with my hand in my head. I'm, like, please, Robin Williams, kill me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Robin Williams is one of the biggest detractors from this film. And I thought that really? even as a child. Really? I'm glad we agree on that. Because, like, that got annoying. And it, like, overstayed its welcome. I'm just, like, okay. They're on the moon. Does this service the plot at all? Let me check. No? Okay, we're still on the moon. <laughs> you know? See, like, uh, Eric, you said that, you know, it's either going to be really good or really bad. I thought it was really somewhere in the middle, but the Robin Williams bit, especially, like, the early part of the Robin Williams bit, that was one of the most enjoyable parts of the movie for me because I was like, all right, this guy is doing, I mean, probably cocaine, doing a lot of stuff, <laughs> but he's doing it. Yeah, he he's definitely playing Robin Williams in this. For movie. sure, like they just yeah, he just slapped some bullshit silver makeup on his face. It didn't even cover his skin. It was kind of funny. It was like here, just go act goofy, go act like you got your head chopped off in Wild Wild West. You'll do fine. It was a uh, like a a genie rehearsal for Aladdin. Hundred percent. Oh, 100%. absolutely, genie vibes for sure. Because he's doing the wacky stuff. He's got a couple impressions in there. Mm -hmm. And the more I think about, I think I enjoyed his part like a little more than i'm given credit for but like he just overstayed its welcome at least that part we'll get into it i do agree with you that that part did overstay its welcome a little bit especially when it went back to it like with the we'll get to it like you said but i i did find it probably aside from a handful of lines here or there the peak of enjoyment for this movie for me <laughs> but okay what is this movie how do we get uh, to where we're that's, going that's a good question because it's almost like a movie within a play within a play you have layers. It's like an onion. <laughs> to me, the way that I interpreted it is Munchausen is this mythical figure. And what else can they do besides dedicate a play to him? He comes in, isn't happy with the play, begins to tell it himself. And he is so yeah. masterful at telling it. Everyone lives it. And yeah. the result happens because whatever. But wow. That's actually what the best thing this movie has going for it. Because as you said, like... 
during the movie, like the play is going on, the Barry Munchausen play. This is how about his fantastic adventures. And the dude just rolls up like, I fuck is this? You know, <laughs> that wasn't how it happened. My nose nearly isn't nearly that big or some nonsense or whatever he played. The sauce's bushes didn't look like that. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's being silly about it. I really like the juxtaposition because like they're trying to put on this masterful play like the props that they have and the mechanics that they use are brilliant even if there's just the show in the movie i'm like wow they spend a lot yes. of time in doubloons on this right and he just rolls in and burns the place to the ground uh before we get started when is this movie supposed to take place this is in the middle of a, a siege between i'm guessing the english and the turks but are we in england it seems like almost medieval or like uh i, I don't know when is this supposed to happen? It's whatever. Like, if Pine Bandits has shown me anything, time is but a window. Don't worry about it. But, yeah, we're somewhere in that old time period, and there's a play getting put on. And, like you said, uh, the star of the show, in reality, just comes in and is like, what the fuck's all this? Let me tell you actually how this shit happened. Yeah. And also in the middle of all this, is the city that they're in actually under siege? So, if I'm to understand this correctly... They're putting on a play in the middle of a war, like in a siege yeah. of that same city. I think there's like a little bit of political commentary, a lot of political commentary in yes. this moment, because they also have like the chancellor dude who's just like, oh no, I've, I've got everything under control. Just let me watch this play as the war is literally at our door. Yeah, that's his nonsense way of doing it. Like, oh no, 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 no. If we were at war or in any danger, how could we be having this play right now? Look, I'm even here. Yeah, that's circle logic. By the way, we've got a couple of guys in here that I only know from, like, one role, pretty much, and it's not this role. Our star of the show, Baron Von Munchausen, or whatever his name is, that's that one guy from the X-Files. I don't know his name, but it's the one guy. <laughs> I had to look the fellow up on IMDb, and he's the general guy from The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's the closest line that I could draw with something we could all be familiar with. Other than that, he's just like, uh, he's a character actor. He'd been working for like 60 years of his life, so he's done a ton of shit. Uh, we've also got the uh, High Sparrow from Game of Thrones making another appearance on the cast. Yeah. He was just fucking... here a couple weeks ago with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep, the dad from Pirates of the Caribbean. The governor. And he's uh, he plays a French little kind of an asshole in this movie, doesn't he? He ends up mm. being like the, the bad guy almost. Yeah, it's a little redundant, but you're right. He looks like a little rip-off Napoleon. Yeah, he does, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, Terry Gilliam is, you know, from Monty Python. You also have Eric Idle mm -hmm. in the movie, too, being my favorite part of the movie, because he's just, he has moments where he's like, wait a minute, this is just all ridiculous. And everybody's just like, yeah, you're right. Moving on! Yeah. Yes. And I can greatly appreciate that. And he goes, so you left me here for 20 fucking years, just threw me away, and now you show up because it suits your plan, and I'm supposed to just go with you? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of my, I, as you guys know, I'm a big dialogue guy, and one of the things, just like running along, that I enjoyed was the dialogue. It wasn't always great, but the times when it hits, it does hit really well. The nonsensical nature mm -hmm. of, like, some of the lines are really good. Like, especially when they're, like, trying to rope down from the moon. Mm -hmm. Just that whole bit where just like, wait a minute, what? Ah, whatever, I'll, I'll trust this guy. Yeah, there's, there's very, very, very cartoonish things happening at all times. Like, Mary Melody's cartoony. Yeah, oh, very, sure. like, uh, Wile E. Coyote sometimes. 
And the first thing we get of that is like Munchausen himself, like after he stormed into this place and just made a basic ass of himself in front of everybody because they portrayed him the wrong way, whatever you want to call it. He's literally backstage willing to murder anybody who walks up to him in a mean way <laughs> just because they asked him to leave. Yeah. I mean, this movie is a you know, 100% I can sum it up for you. A dementia patient takes a, takes a play <laughs> hostage and explains that he's a war criminal while telling war stories. There there was several times during this viewing that the missus was just like, is this just a fever dream? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like the movie Big Fish, except if the, the guy that's telling the stories is actually just kind of an asshole. But he knows he's kind of an asshole, you know? I'm a dick. But I'm lovable. And they're like, yeah, you are. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So story-wise, uh, the Baron comes in and tells everyone, hey, you're at war because I made a bet with this dude. And he didn't know I had a bunch of fucking X-Men on my team. <laughs> dude, <laughs> and we man. stole all his everything. His entire group is like his group of fellows or whatever. Or just like basically Team Fortress 2 teammates. You have like the heavy, the sniper the scout that runs really fast. You got everybody. And you got the guy that gives great blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> you get it? You get it? Yeah. Be yeah, because of his excessive lung capacity. And his giant ears for hearing. Oh, is that what the... Huh. Yeah, because whenever Bertow falls asleep, he has to put his ears to the ground. He's like, he's asleep 900 miles away. I can hear him snoring next to a tree. Not only That's can right. he hear very well... But he knows exactly what that man snoring 900 miles away sounds like. Huh. It's an acquired right. skill, I guess. Finely tuned. I've listened to way too much rock music for that. But rock and roll, <laughs> it'll get you. Story-wise, it goes all over the place because he's got the Turks at the door once again. It's his fault. And this little girl is the only person who's wanted to listen to and or believe in him in a long time, which makes him feel young and useful. I forgot what her name was, but according to this flyer, her name is Anne's son. Yes. She is just the daughter of said playwright. Yeah, she's uh, like the daughter of the guy who was on stage portraying Baron Munchausen, but not the actual Baron Munchausen. To me, she just looks like uh, Dakota Fanning in uh, that one movie, War of the Worlds, the movie in which she is incredibly insufferable. <laughs> she's way less insufferable in this. Yeah, I, not that they're the same person, but I love yeah. how every time you reference Dakota Fanning, it's like, yes, Dakota Fanning, star of that awful War of the Worlds film from 2000, whatever. Yeah, She'll never like, get under it. As a movie, I don't think it was that terrible. I think she was terrible in it, though. That's fair. So he makes a bet with the uh, the fucking the Sheik or whatever, the Iron Sheik, the, and the Sultan, the, the Sultan, Sultan in his onion head hat. Oh man, that has some play later. Uh, and he's, it's a fucking fantastic transition. And that's all yeah. that, as a child, I remember about this movie is, number one, the sets. There is never a set that doesn't look like it should truly exist. They knock it out of the fucking park. That's something yeah. that I have to give and take from director Terry Gilliam. Because I feel like he and I share a lot of brain power because he has this fantastic vision in his head. And there are moments in this movie that are brilliant, just visually. To, to hell with, like, some of the written stuff later that I don't like. But, like, as you mentioned, the transition from being a play and the camera turning to, like, oh, this is actual wherever we are. Then in the same couple of frames, the camera shifts and the room is much bigger than it was. Yeah. They knock it 
out of the park with that kind of shit left and right. Uh, some of the most beautiful, visually like stunning shit that I remember as a kid was in this movie. And it's made me appreciate going forward when I talk about practical effects, practical effects, practical effects. It's because of things like this when I was a child that makes it so hard to appreciate something that isn't there when I know that these dudes just took two fake fucking cherubs <laughs> ran them on strings and then presented to me the Venus de Milo in the flesh and made it stunning. Yeah, that's the thing that kept me going. Like, I, I kind of had a hard time paying attention, but like every time scenes changed, every time something dramatic happened, the visual aspect had my head turning back to the TV like, this is beautiful. We run into that here in this scene. So, like, the Sultan or whatever and the, the Baron, they have this, like, little bet, right? So, like, if Baron can get a bottle of wine from Venice back to him in an hour, he can have whatever treasure that he can carry up by his strongest man. And, of course, the Sultan's like, you know what? Sound like a good fella, full of shit. I like you. I'm going to say yes to that. But if I win, I'm going to cut your head off. Just because I'm a stickler for geography, he was going to Vienna, not Venice. Oh, okay. The, the sausages. Gotcha. Yep, the sausages. Also, since we're we're talking about the sets and everything right now, I'm going to give another parallel. I talked about uh, Big Fish just a little bit ago. As far as the look and the aesthetic of the sets and things that we're seeing, what it really reminded me of is, do you guys know the, I think it translates to a trip to the moon or something like that. It was one of like the early short films, very black mm -hmm. and white. It came out in like 1902 or something like that. That's yeah. what it reminds me of throughout. Definitely obscure reference, but I understand it. Like, if you're listening, it's the one where, like, the moon has that bullet stuck in its eye. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, sacre bleu! <laughs> I still just, as I see these things, I love the way they look. Like, it's just such a feel. You know, like, uh, what what is that? Labyrinth and um, mm. Neverending Story. They have that visual cue to pull you in. The movie might not be the best. The lines might not be the best. But you want to watch for the characters and what's happening in the background. Yeah, definitely never-ending story vibes. I got a little bit of Princess Bride vibes, too. Definitely that, like, not quite childlike, uh, but, like, I don't know. There's an action-adventure that could be acceptable to a child in here. This isn't necessarily a children's movie, but, you know, you can watch it with your kids. As we were watching, the more I think about this, this movie has in spades this 80s fantasy look where everything is just clearly handmade mm -hmm. and they had little to no computing power. They didn't need it. Like through the movie, there's this running, it's not even a gag. It's this thing where like, you know, Baron Munchausen, he's technically invincible, but death is trying its fucking hardest to get to him. Oh yeah. And death appears several times in just slightly different forms. And just like this, the puppetry and the mechanisms in that alone was just so impressive I love the art design so much. Like you yes. don't understand. Like I hope you. I hope I can convey what I'm feeling because I don't like this movie. <laughs> it's two hours, and I was trying real hard to get through it. But at every turn, at every zenith that it had, it gave me something to appreciate. Mm -hmm. You know, like not like it's all. It's almost all production. It's almost like I really love the idea that Terry had for the movie, but like mm -hmm. I just don't like the execution. If, it's almost like how I used to feel out Blade Runner. Like, man, I really want to oh. fucking love this movie. But there's something that's keeping me at arm's length. And it's just like, no, man, 
I I almost universally agree with everything you just said. The aesthetic is super appealing. It's visually very interesting. But another thing that I do appreciate a, a little bit, maybe more than you, is the dialogue. Like, it's really good. It's really clever at times. Especially with the little girl. She gives just a lot of these little one-liners that are just like, all right. Well, I, I, to be honest, like I didn't pay too much mind the actual dialogue in the movie because after the whole scene that we're trying to describe when like Eric Idle runs away and that whole scene of him like charging off and going into the distance is fucking brilliant. But that's all I wanted to do. Like I didn't really care about the characters. I cared about what little I did just about the showmanship of the movie, if that makes sense. Yes, 100%. Like that's why more than anything as a child that's why i like this because the 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 scene where you're talking about where he's running away he runs off screen and then there's two little mario style hills in the background and they've clearly got something on a stick just ripping up and throwing dirt and then doing it on the hill behind it and it's just lovely to see yeah it's good because like even though like i don't know if you guys hear or anything but like it's like the little filmmaker inside us is like well i have this idea for an effect how do i do it in the most effective way and you look at it, it's like oh that's clearly like a like a little air thing sprigging up some dust or whatever but as the whole scene comes together and that like little two second page like oh that's really cute and clever i want to see more of that you know it's, it's almost tangible in its fantasy yes that's a great way of putting it okay but story-wise, he has to rush off, go do this, and he's fast as fuck, so he can just, he has to wear shackles, he's that fast. So, he takes off, he gets the wine, he takes a nap, and the Baron's about to get his head cut off, and he's like, oh, can you pardon me for a moment? Whistles for his horse, Red Dead Redemption style, hops upon it, leaps out of, <laughs> what, a hundred foot drop, lands yeah. on his fucking feet, no issue, and goes, brush hole's gonna be late, and he's like, nah, don't worry about it, he's like, okay, and goes back upstairs. And and the, absurdis- and the absurdity on both sides makes this scene, because, like, clearly, that horse could have been hamburger, and on oh, the flip yeah. side, all of his buddies are like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> it's a Monday. <laughs> so... Yeah. Berthold and his team of superhuman people basically you got the Flash, this dude who's like can blow the wind, Superman minus the flight, and fucking sniper elite guy, and the Baron who <laughs> is basically just a cartoon character. He can lift himself up by his own ponytail. Like that happens later. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, is that any more ridiculous than the fucking the canoe scene in Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, I think. The canoe scene has like a small bit of logic. Like, oh, it's clearly just an air bubble. This, this is just a goof. Yeah, air, this is uh, all right. Like, I, it's not something to dwell on for sure. Like in either instance, don't worry about it. Like I'm just trying right. to like you know dance around it. <laughs> so he but, gets back in the nick yeah, of time, and the Baron is like, oh well, looks like I'm not gonna die. I just got my rat tail cut off. No big deal. And the Sultan's like, ah. I'm a man of my word, as much as your strongest man can carry. And they clean this fucking dude out. Yeah, yeah the absolutely. strongest man, fucking 80s-style Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> Michael Duncan <laughs> I was Clark. thinking Big Daddy Viscera. <laughs> Honestly, when we get into it a little bit more, that guy looks like Mabel. Uh, yeah, Viscera. Oh, is that same person? Same yeah, guy. Okay. Yeah, okay. Like, anyway, he just straps the whole treasury on his fucking back and is like, all right, deuces. Yeah, like this whole movie, you're thinking like, yeah, okay, maybe he got, you know, taken for all he's worth. Like, what's this war all about? Then I realized, man, Munchausen's just a hustler. I'm a hustler, baby. Yeah, he he really is. He's like, yeah, I I got this bet for you, but if I win, I'm wiping you the fuck out. And he does. And homeboy is like, hey, no, you you can't do that. 
That dude was so pissed. He <laughs> takes a guy's sword and immediately decapitates him with it. <laughs> like all one swoop. Just I have that as a note. Decapitates his stooge. <laughs> and that's not a running gag, but it pops up a couple times in the movie, and each time it's thoroughly entertaining. <laughs> yeah, they do decapitations in a very fun way. For this one, whenever they cut off the head, he's got a red uh, head wrap, and it trails behind instead of blood going through the air, just fluttering madly, which is fucking super cool. Yeah, it also harkens back to this whole thing being a stage play, which is exactly yes. what you would do. Okay. Correct. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. But when you say it like that, you know, the sort of parallels between the stage play and the act- what's what we are perceiving is actually happening, it gets another point there. So this is another one of those transitions, Eric, that me and you enjoyed, where the Sultan is now enraged and basically causing a battle inside of his little area, temple, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And that battle, transition, camera turn, boom, is everything exploding inside the theater because they're under attack from the Turks. And it's brilliant. And is this where, I'm getting maybe a few scenes mixed up, is this where the, the girl runs away and is like, Yes. I don't know. Okay, okay. This is when she runs away and is like, hey, hey, stop firing on us. Hey, you stop it. Stop. And then he goes and rides yeah. some cannonballs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for a second, like, being how silly this movie's been so far, I honestly thought her bitching about the situation would have actually helped. Like, hey, you, stop all that firing. They're just like, oh, sorry, mate. Just, oh, excuse me. Hey, what'd know? she say? She said to stop. Oh, should we? Maybe. Oh, like, <laughs> no, two guys no, from no. Pirates. <laughs> yeah, it just turns into a Monty Python skit, goofing off. But no. uh, this scene right here is actually one of my favorite lines, and it, it comes like kind of early in the movie. But like the girl runs up to uh, Baron Munchausen, and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's just like, "Go away! I'm trying to die." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you mentioned before, like Baron just launched himself through the air with a cannonball, and not only does he deliver a devastating blow to the turret. He gets pinged off into whatever realm by an oncoming cannonball, and he just rides back. I lost my shit because I did not remember this scene, and it actually got like a partial jump out of me because I had just taken a note, and I look up, and he's loading the cannonballs in. And as soon as he puts them in, it's like, boom! It just explodes. And I was like, oh, God, Paul Timberman. <laughs> yeah. But what sold it for me was just the, the sound effects, like the ridiculous boom from the cannon to get him in the air, but also like halfway is just like that kitchen pan sound just as he gets like flung back the other way. It's just so Looney Tunes. My favorite part of this scene is easily when he gets back on and the girl's trying to tell whoever, like her dad or whatever, like, hey, he rode on a cannonball and all this stuff. And they're like, uh, no, get, stop making shit up. And she's okay. like, no, 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 no. The soldiers saw it too. Ah, oh, they're dead. <laughs> no. I was going to say. Two things happened right here that fucking cracked me up. Number one, he goes and attacks the Turks, single-handedly de- defeating them with a single cannonball for however long, just so he can continue to tell his tale. Yeah. And then whenever he gets back and the girl's like, tell them that's what happened. It's what happened. He's like, no, that's not what happened. You're a liar. And she's like, fuck you, and runs off. He's like, that's not what happened. What I did was way cooler, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he flew up into the sky nine, ten miles. And he's like, no, no, you're a liar. More like a mile and a half. Yeah, but he's got a plan to save the town because the Turks are still attacking. Uh, ladies, please remove all of your knickers. 
we're going to make a hot air balloon. That's the plan. And you get the two guards outside, better report this. And they got a fucking (laughs) steampunk airship and Baron straight dips out. And this could have been such a hilarious scene. Okay, think about this. The entire movie is played out exactly as he gets in the hot air balloon. Goodbye, beautiful ladies. Thank you for your silken underwear. I'm escaping in a hot air balloon steamship. And he just fucking sells off. And he's like, nope, fuck that. I mean, the ladies have, like, really one throwaway line that kind of got me. Because he's like, no, thank you, ladies. You're all so beautiful. I'll be back as soon as I can. Dead silence for, like, a beat. And then, like, I think Uma Thurman is just like, I'll never forget you. And he just cuts. <laughs> uh, but this little ship that he's flying away on, this little uh, hot air balloon slash airship, it reminds me of something that, like, one of, what are they called? Like, Bowser's minions, like, Lemmy Koopa. Yes. Reminds me of like something they'd have. I get, I, I get yeah. that. Yeah, most of the art direction just like is very reminiscent of like the in betweens in Monty Python. It just looks like a drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a, it's a like a pirate ship, but it's it's got a hot air balloon on it. So that'll come into play a little bit later. Oh, right now it'll come into play like right now. All right, definitely right now <laughs> because oh, guess who's there? Death, and he's like, fucking <laughs> 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 lightning strikes and. Conveniently, the airship falls into the water, which then floats through an ocean of stars, just like Pirates of the Caribbean 3 rips off, to appear into the Davy Jones locker. But he appears, da-da-da, on the moon with Danny. It was such a smooth transition. As I was watching, it's like, wait a minute. Is that sand now? Yeah, that's exactly how I was. It landed in the water, and then I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's fucking sand, isn't it? He's like, he's like, we can't go to the moon. He's like, yes, we can. No problem at all. And I, as an audience member, too, I'm like, that's bullshit. I don't know what he's <laughs> talking about. But of course, Futurama style, count down to 10, make it there in three. We're on the moon. Yep. To be greeted by the king of the moon, fucking Robin Williams, just full bore the entire yeah. time that he is on screen. Now, never having seen this movie before, seeing Robin Williams pop up in such a just a wacky role at first i was like okay all right let's see what happens all right i'm on board with this see at this point i did not know robin williams was in this movie when he showed up i was like oh holy shit it's robin williams uh because i didn't really know anything about this movie going in this caused me to go onto the imdb and uh and check the the cast list of this Turns out that soldier earlier that I thought looked like Sting, that was actually fucking Sting. Oh, really? Yeah, Sting's in this. Yes. He's like, the whole city's like being burnt down. He's just playing fucking bass. No, he's a, he's a wonderful hero that's been doing exceptional things. And then the dad <laughs> from Pirates of the Caribbean's like, execute him. We can't have people thinking that they can just be exceptional. Oh, yeah. that's right. Okay. Damn. It's going to ruin the morale for the other soldiers. I guess that's what happens when you arrest a former policeman. Mm. He was sending out an SOS. Sending out an SOS. <clears throat> anyway. Now, <laughs> yeah, just the um, fucking Mr. King of the Moon isn't a big fan of Baron Munchausen. And mind you, he's like gigantic. I guess old I Baron, guess so. last time he was here, left Berthold so he could try to get some moon lady, like, Vijay. Yeah. You want to call it a crater? I don't know. Ooh. Also, if we haven't mentioned it, his head and his body are not together. They are separate yeah. entities. I Okay, I know this is just a play 
there's a lot of theatrics, but there's a lot of bullshit and just like there's no rhyme or reason to it. And that's when it starts to like juggle this weird thing of just like, is it entertaining? Is it annoying? Has it gone on for 10 minutes too long? The answer to all of those questions is yes. <laughs> it's just like, okay, of course, Robin Williams' head by itself, very sentient, godlike creature. He rules everything. If he thinks of something, he creates it. Yeah, he throws uh, he throws the little girl and Baron Munchausen in this little fucking Thunderdome-like cage. <laughs> and that's when he runs into his old buddy Bertold, right? Who was unfortunately suffering from a really bad case of being old, also amnesia. He's like, I don't know you, but I did something bad because I got these shackles on. Hey, look, there's a floating head coming this way. And she's like, hey, yo, my body's getting fucked, but my head detached to come free. (laughs) My my head will get fucked, too, if you into it. Dude, I lost my shit whenever she was sitting there making all those orgasm sounds. And the girl's like, why is she making those funny noises? And the Baron looks almost dead ass at the camera and goes, uh, someone's tickling her feet. And then he looks to Berthold for like, is that she going to buy that? <laughs> yeah. But then like the movie's like, oh, no, he's right. He's getting, she's getting her feet tickled. Yeah, I think like this has to have been something that I've seen or seen referenced or something before, because that seemed so familiar to me. We pan over and it's just like got a little quill feather tickling her feet in bed then robin williams is like where'd your head go oh it's with the baron i I enjoyed the moment of him just like oh you're playing the game where's your head wait a minute you're you're a pillow biter aren't you (laughs) what's his response he jumps on a three-headed gigantic vulture pigeon robot that immediately falls apart in midair like not just like falls apart mechanically but like violently tears into thirds yeah, he's like, uh, he says something like, hey, this head, you get that thing, you get that thing, and then the third thing, you get this thing. I don't even remember what it was. And they all go to those things, but it's only one body, so it just rips itself apart. Yeah, it amounts to nothing. I think that's the most frustrating thing, because you're like, well, that happened. Time to skedaddle. Yeah. yeah uh, they repel down from the moon on ladies' hair. And he's like, oh, we're all out of rope. And he goes, here, tie this to the bottom. <laughs> well, where'd you get it? Well, I got it from the top, of course. <laughs> They're just like floating in space. And it it just like fucking Wile E. Coyote, it yeah. doesn't kick in. Gravity doesn't affect them until they all go, oh, yeah, can't do that. Uh... So they fall <laughs> into Mordor. Oh, this is when they fall into that volcano and there's okay. giants who aren't actually giants yeah my favorite bit is the fucking giant husband i love him the scale like i don't know what they did like i don't know if it's like a thing they couldn't just do optically he's like hey you 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 little fellas down there baron munchausen and the ben franklin fella you guys are small and they're like yeah i guess so it's like oh give me your hand well i guess i'm not small anymore yeah it was like a forced perspective really happened so he's looking down he's like oh you're so far away you're tiny but if i pull you close to me you are now larger yeah he's like even even taller than he was yes i love because he looks up like huh so inside this volcano is what is this a mine are these miners yes well i know that definitely uma thurman she was a miner and i had to look that up i was like wait a minute 17 (laughs) oh well i have to go rewind some thoughts that i've had She immediately falls in love with the Baron because he's a fucking suave, dapper Dan kind of dude. He's a fucking old man. 
Uh, Even when he's young, he's an old man. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's like he, he's like he straight up made of that old stock. Speaking of old stock, what I've got here today from North Coast Brewing Company out of Fort Bragg, California, evidently. This is their old stock ale, specifically their 2021 vintage. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, this is not really what I was expecting, to be honest. It's like an auburn color. I don't know what I was expecting, but uh, they call this an old ale. There's a lot of, like, toffee and, like, banana flavors. It, th this is thick and heavy. This is a robust boy. It's like a Trappist ale, almost. There's a lot of that raisin and, like, cherry, almost. Plum, that kind of flavors going on. But it's, like, deep and alcoholic. This is 11.2% alcohol by volume. So uh, it'll probably only take one for me. But... It's just like full of dark fruit and a little rum and a little spice. This is really, really good. Yeah, this is a great beer. What else is great, for me anyways, is the fact that whenever, you know, old girl falls for Baron, the fucking fire giant dude or whatever the fuck he is, he starts getting mad. Steam's coming out of his ears like Bluto style from Papa. <laughs> and he doesn't want to be abusive in any way. Or too aggressive in any way, since Venus wouldn't like that. So he is yelling at the top of his lungs in an aggressive way, very polite things. Yes. <laughs> this whole time, Gimli is just like the easiest distractible fucking dude in the universe. Baron and Uma Thurman are just like floating through the air, being all lovey-dovey, got some cupids around him. Meanwhile, Eric Idle's just like, I am dance. Look at my dance. Am I dancing for you enough? And he's just like, huh. Yes, you are. Huh. <laughs> He passed performance check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets tired of it eventually, and he's like, Gar, you fucking troll! You whore! You whore! Yeah, which is not, uh, that's not a word that I hear a whole lot in PG-rated films these days. This was back in the 80s where the ratings are made up and the points don't matter. Absolutely. So they cast them out of Valhalla, or wherever the fuck they're out, and they drop through a hole and land in some water, and they're like, oh, look, an island. And he <laughs> says, that's not an island. We're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> I almost thought you were going to different. Like, that's not an island. This is an island. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I thought you were going with. Foster's Australian for fucking beer. For fucking beer, right. <laughs> but, I mean, they're not far off. They say that, you know, they get dropped somewhere in the south seas like the the mm -hmm. south pacific yeah so i mean you know that might very well be australia yeah but it's uh it's an island no it's a volcano no it's a really big fish hey big fish i mentioned that earlier but uh this is actually exactly where we started up at the beginning of the play when the big fish comes up out of the water and swallows them yeah. that's what they do that's that's what happens they just get swallowed so and not you, just swallow. Just swallow. Inside the fish, there's like a shipwreck city, which is really fucking cool. Yes, it is. Very much so. This is another moment in the movie where I'm just like, oh man, look at how much time was put into this moment. It just yeah. gets whisked away immediately. Yeah. But like inside, there's a bunch of people who have survived their ships being swallowed, and they're just fucking playing poker. Like, I guess, <laughs> man, giving up on it. This is this is where we are. And he sees his two buddies. Gustav, the large-eared, air-blowing dwarf, and dwarf, then you yeah. have Donald Duck. Donald Duck Pirate Gandalf. Yep, that's exactly yeah. who he is. <laughs> yeah. Gandalf the Duck 
he's this this was a weird decision no like at the beginning of the movie he's just like whatever he looked like getty lee he's a sniper what are you gonna do but then for the rest of the movie as the old version he's just like and i'm just like is that the right decision you know (laughs) there's a lot of decisions made some of them right some of them 30 years later the jury is still out on that but you know what the right decision is snuff it's evidently and that's a that's a callback is that the word yes because he kept saying something and i'm like i don't know what that word is is that all right we'll just go with it well we have another little bit while they're while they're playing that game that poker game where death is just there just looming he's like hey play my game of cards and baron munchausen's like yeah all right yeah and every time i don't know if you notice every time that little angel of death character comes around tries to you know, steal a soul from Mr. Baron Munchausen. The little girl is the one that scares him off. Like, no, get out of here. Go on, go on, shoot. Yeah, and yeah, like, that's it, that's her interest in his story is what drives him on. Oh, oh. it's a metaphor. Because the whole time he's like, what? What is this? Does he want to die? Because he's expressly said a handful of times, "Oh, just let me die," just or just whatever. Like Big fish. <laughs> but this came out before Big Fish. Yeah. God damn you, copying Big Fish. Big Fish! (laughs) But anyway, they they get spat out. And thank God. They come through the blowhole. Yeah, it's like play. That's where he lifts himself out of the water on his horse by his (laughs) own ponytail. And then even kind of looks at the camera and he's like, get that boat over here. I can't do this forever. He's looking at the camera like, yes, I'm doing this. What the fuck are you going to do about it? This is my movie. I, I almost kind of wish they went the Simpsons route where he's like, I don't want to bore you with my extraordinary circumstance of my escape, but we're here. You know, it's just <laughs> oh, whatever. Nice. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I did like the line. He goes, oh, look, the enemy is here. Oh, should we be scared? He's like, no, look at them. They're inviting us to defeat them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Like, yeah, it is. Baron as a whole through the movie, he has like ups and downs, but like when he's Baron Munchausen, for yeah. lack of a better term, he's he's big dick energy. He's so <laughs> fun when he's like full swashbuckle, full adventure. Because the dude straight up walks up to the Turks and just starts murdering people. Dude, are you talking <laughs> about whenever he's on his horse and, and he, he turns and, into a carousel of death? Yes, and he just yeah. decapitates like a dozen people. <laughs> But before we get to that point, like one of my one of my favorite little throwaway lines, another one is like, I don't even remember who says it, but they get onto the beach and it's like, oh, it's the Sultan's army. Quick, back in the fish. <laughs> <laughs> this is the big action finale. The team is down on themselves and the Baron's not having it. He goes, listen, kid, because the child, even she feels defeated. And he's like, Psh, you're not allowed to give up. You're the one that's supposed to be keeping me going. Oh, well, I quit. Well, fuck it, I'm going to go get myself killed unless y'all do something about it. And they rally behind that at the last second, as per usual. And the team gets together in this real fun finale that ends up, like we said, with that carousel of death, which is fucking hilariously brilliant. Yeah, it's so violent and adventurous and just so over the top in the most fun way possible. Like, (laughs) Baron just, like, runs into a crowd of fully armed people ready for this man and he's like tally ho and just like obliterates everybody i feel like this movie walked so pirates could run that kind of thing yes okay fucking Uh, bert holds out there outrunning a bullet 
and he's like trying to grab it. And he's like, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> it's just fucking like there's like little touches in there that are just cute. Yeah, this this is a scene that really worked. Like when uh, Barthold was like running as fast as the bullet and trying to catch it, it's just hot. And he's like, ow, ow, ow. Like it's absurd enough, but like him actually just saying, ow, it's hot even though I'm running as faster than the speed to sound. It just makes it hilarious. Yeah. yeah, this is going on, and at the same time, there's a little meeting between the uh, the Sultan and the little scummy guy from earlier, the, the High Sparrow guy. Yeah. Yes. The French guy. And I think this is pretty cute. This is a pretty cute set of lines here. Mm-hmm. They're going back and forth. It's like, you must surrender. No, no, you surrender. We're winning, but we surrendered last time. <laughs> okay. Well, well, what about the virgins? Forget about the virgins. We're out of virgins. You're obsessed with the virgins. It seemed very Jerry Seinfeld. Yes. But I, I just I love that back Oh, shit. But you get, during this, there's like feats of strength happening to where the strong man has grabbed three black pearls and is spinning <laughs> oh, them yeah. by their anchors. And this is like action you would only expect from a Fast and Furious film. Oh, fuck. No, this, to be honest, after seeing the last iteration... Him picking up those three boats was fantastic. Like, because it, it doesn't show you at first. It's just some, he's just like spinning around this rock with these three ropes attached to him. Like, okay, he's doing something. And then it pans up in the midair. It's just three fully loaded pirate ships with crews and everything getting swirled around the sky. And he just like chucks them like it's an just, Olympic sport. Yeah, just to fucking hammer throw them into the entire Turkish army. And just decimates everybody. Like, this. <laughs> It's so stupid, but it works so well. It's just kablooey, and all the Turks are just defeated. Whatever, knockout. Yeah, good game, y'all. Napoleon hates G-G. this, though. <laughs> and there's a fucking parade in Baron Munchausen's honor, and everyone's celebrating, the little girl's there, and his only idea is to fucking kill him. And he crawls up on this statue of death, which has been chasing Baron the entire film, and he fucking just blows the man's back out. Like, boom. Yeah. That was a dick move. It's very like he was on the grassy knoll kind of moment. And Munchausen <laughs> was just like, you know, scooting through Dallas or something like that. Back and to the left. Back and to the <laughs> yeah. left. And death erupts from inside this statue. And the visual of that as a child, the Grim Reaper was there on screen in the yeah. flesh. And it was scary. Yeah, absolutely, and I've mentioned it a few times so far. Like, this iteration of death is the most graphic, too, the most detailed. It's very scary, very menacing, and it's it's a super treat to look at. I'm like, that is good, just visual storytelling, just with the puppet alone. And what mm-hmm. I love about it is that the movie double downs on the fact that it's like a play within a movie, because death is clearly ripping the soul out of Baron Munchausen, and everyone around him isn't helping. Except for the kid. Yeah. Well, the little girl is trying to get there, and she's like, she's getting held back. Like, no, no, it's okay. It'll be okay. And she's like, I'm trying to scare away death. What the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, get him out of here. It's like a dream. You can't run. You can't fight. You see this horrible thing happening, but you're just stuck. And I mm-hmm. thought that worked really well. I also really like the way they did the soul and the fucking hand of death that creepy hand skeletal mitt going into his throat to take out that orb of Mm -hmm. light yeah and then he puts it right in a briefcase and john travolta and sam jackson uh take it away that's going on ebay guess what that was only one of the many times that i've died (laughs) 
And that was one of only the many occasions I faced my death or something like that. Yeah, you you did it better. Yeah. And it turns out they're all feeling this. They're all there. They're it, you know, his storytelling has them so enthralled. They're like, "Oh my god, we lived that? Did we live that?" And he's like, "Bitch, I told a story so good it happened." <laughs> and then it became full circle and I'm telling you about how the time I told the story. Yes. Get, get fucked. This is what I do, motherfucker storyteller. Open the gates. Baron Von David Blaine, boom, the fucking army's gone. And I love how the ships were still there, all busted, and everybody's just all dead in the desert. It's like, yeah, see, it happened. Told you so. <laughs> and his horse just shows up like, hey. And everybody's like, oh, and you were there. And you were there. And you were there, Aunt B. And you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like how you feel at the end of Total Recall. It's like, was it a dream? Like, you know, like, what's happening? Yes. Yeah, that's why I thought this movie had a lot of Big Fish vibes for me. Uh, like, you can tell that Big Fish drew a lot of inspiration from some of the themes that we had in this. And I absolutely love Big Fish. So, like, yeah. uh, you know, to see those parallels, it gives this movie something a little bit more for me. Um, my opinion aside, like, yeah, a lot. I can definitely see now a lot of movies have pulled just even just like little bits from this movie. Whether it be from like character direction or just like a little bit of art here and there. Like, I feel like this is a, a cult classic that I just stumbled upon. Yeah, absolutely. When I watched it for the first time, I was like, yeah, this is a movie. It happened. It's a little bit crazy, a little bit wild. It's whatever. But the more we talked about it, the more I appreciated it for everything that it did as far as, like you said, the aesthetics, the dialogue, and, you know, all these little vignettes that we talked about. There are movies elsewhere that have absolutely drawn inspiration from them. And for that, I have to give it a little bit of, uh, a little bit more respect than I initially did. And I feel like it's something that if I watched it more and more and more, I'd like it more and more and more. That's 100% where I'm at. It was the childhood movie. It grabbed my eye. Uh, it had, you know, classic fairy tale themes throughout that as a child you can identify with and grasp at. And the more you watch it, the more like the characters still to me to this day, they're whatever. The Baron, he's fucking amazing. I love him. I, the little girl, she's a gem. And, you know, you'll find your own people to like whatever. <laughs> but it's just fundamentals 101 on how to make a stylishly violent child's movie. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> stylishly I, uh, violent. I'll piggyback on that a little bit. This is definitely style over substance. The movie as a whole, it doesn't quite have the cohesiveness as Terry Gilliam's better works. Like, there's really no middle act to this movie, like, at all. The stuff happens until the last 20 minutes. I mean... <laughs> stuff happens be, until it has happened. Yeah, like, be that as it may, like, I don't like this movie. But, big but, because this is very important. This is a beautiful best. movie. This is stylistically fantastic. The set pieces are wonderful. Uh, costumes are just great, you know, just like the whole play aesthetic is married beautifully. And it and it always gives you reminders like, hey, this is a play. Don't worry about it. You know, just keep watching. You know, creature effects are great. Puppetry is great. The, it's almost like how I feel about a lot of Kubrick movies, like the movie itself, whatever. But what was put together to make the movie or the process of is what is impressive and I enjoy. So that was The Adventures of Baron Munchausen from 1988. If you have any strong feelings about it or any comments at all, make sure to leave those down in that comment section below. 
As I said before, make sure you subscribe, join the brew crew, but most importantly, hit that bell so you know when we have another one brewing. Get out there and follow us on all of our different social medias. We got that Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook. Thanks to the Anchor app, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're out here on YouTube, of course. And if you don't, then, you know, we'll give you Munchausen by proxy. And that's where you can't tell if you're in a play or really living it. Well, to be honest, having a case of Munchausen just really sounds like my bird's about to fall off. So. <laughs> oh. Just the whole fucking bird. Yeah. <laughs>